You're listening to the Felony Inc. Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Inc. Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. The Felony Inc. Podcast airs live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Now please settle in, enjoy. It's time for the Felony Inc. Podcast. Well, good morning and welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast brought to you live from downtown Portland, Oregon. In the studio today with me is our sound guy, Alon. How are you doing today, boss? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I've been keeping busy. What? What you been doing? I recorded an audiobook, uh, 10 hours of recording with, some, uh, with one of the other hosts here the other day for his book. Nice. Yeah, it was good. They're using your voice for that? No, no, no. I, I'm just doing the recording engineer. So oh. the author is reading the book themselves. So. Oh, yeah. well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, what about you all? What have you been up to? Well, you know, um, lately we've been uh, kind of preparing for a couple of events coming up. You mm-hmm. know, the Killer Granddaddies, always doing something. We you like know, it, we like that's it. That's our band uh, with Dave Dahl and uh, Dave's Killer Bread. We are going to be playing um, for... The, the youth project this Friday, and um, well, actually, it's set up sound check Friday, and then we'll be playing for them on Saturday. And it's sold out. Yeah, where's yeah. that at? <clears throat> it's um, Speeds. Mm-hmm. It's a big pavilion thing, uh, but we'll be playing there. So hopefully, they'll raise a lot of money for their for their project. Excellent. And uh, then, um, you know, Dave has some pretty cool cars. He's got a, a Tesla which at this point in time is one of the fastest production cars on the market, all electric. And then he just got a really cool car. It's uh, an i8 Beamer. And so we're going to be taking those cars into OSP, which is Oregon State Penitentiary. Sure. And not only are we going to be taking the cars in there, but we're also going to be taking our band in there to jam out for the fellows. Abandoned there. Abandoned. Abandoned. <laughs> abandoned there. You're going to abandon there. Abandoned. You're going to be right. abandoned in there. <laughs> right, exactly. And also, in the studio is my sidekick, Mark Gailey from Murder, Inc., uh, right here in Portland. Mark, Hello. what the hell's been going down? Um, got a lot of exciting things, besides the moving stress, but I am doing a big tattoo expo at the convention center this weekend. Um, are, are you taking the bus? No. Mark's got this really cool so, bus all on it. So that, that came together. It was, what, six months ago the, you were just bringing it together or something? The bus, the bus yeah. The yeah. bus, I'm, I'm booking that out right now. I'm working on, like, the weather. I need to bring it in to get a little babying, some tender loving care for a couple little mechanical things. But... Um, yeah, the bus. <laughs> I love the bus. The bus is cool. It, it's a it's a tour bus, but it's set up with you know tattoo stations inside. It's a mobile so tattoo studio. You can just drive to the convention, open the doors, and bam! Awesome. Start tattooing. Yeah, that's cool. And Definitely. the uh, the uh, licensing and stuff through the city it doesn't matter that it's moving. It's all it, the same. Or? Um, it's, yeah, it's very technical. Each state and each city is different, so you have to be uh, you have to. Um, adjust for it. I couldn't go to this show last summer because California law in a certain county required each artist to have a, a 
hot and cold running sink. Oh, right. Um, um, which I get it, but, you know, one would have been suffice. But, you know, each artist, that would be five to ten people that we roll on the bus, and that's just that's an, impossible. That's a lot of sinks. That's yeah. a lot of sinks. Yeah, so that was the that was our holdup. On, on, so, yeah, we have to jump through a lot of licensing and, and hoops like that, insurance. Right, sure. Nice. Well, cool. Good well, stuff good for luck, everybody. Yeah. Good luck at the convention, Mark. Hope everything works out good. So, you know what? We're going to move on here a little bit. And today's guest is pretty fascinating. We had a little chat with her before we got on air here. I think this is going to be a good one all on. What do you think? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, too. And our guest today is Emily O'Brien. She's the founder of Cons and Colonels. And they say, from outlaws to outreach, spreading truth one kernel at a time. Cons and Colonels believes in second chances and will provide reintegration opportunities and educate the public through a variety of fun and educational awareness campaigns. How's, how's that for an intro? That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was using I was using my DJ voice to do that. You know, I've been practicing. It's an awesome DJ voice. Sounds great. <laughs> so you know what we're going to do is uh, with most of our guests, what what we kind of do is we kind of go back when you know you know most of our our guests are ex felons. So we kind of go back to where all this began when you were growing up and and why you know you eventually ended up. Um, doing what you did. So can you take us back a little bit? Give us a little of your background story. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up near Toronto, Ontario. Um, had a really good family. Uh, I went to university, which is like college in the States, and graduated with honors. Um, had a, a social media business. And while I was building this social media business, I started to heavily use drugs and alcohol. I mean, Part of it was to cover up some stuff, and part of it was just for fun. So, you know, it was kind of a mix of masking pain and enjoying certain certain situations. Um, while I was and part of this, like, while I was building this company, I met someone, and we became romantically involved, and he uh, asked me if I wanted to go, <laughs> go on this trip with him. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And he said, well... I just have to do some some work when I when I'm down there. I'm. Do you want to do you want to help me? And I said, What do you mean? And he said, Well, I have to bring some drugs back. And I was like, I don't know. Like, don't think it's a good idea. This is all, you know, this is all over the course of of a month. He kept asking me and asking me, and then finally he got me to say yes. Um, but he said I wouldn't have to actually do anything. He's like, Okay, fine. Just can you just come on this trip? You don't have to bring any drugs back, but. And it's only if you want to, but, you know, just come on this trip with me. just want someone, like, on my arm. And I was like, okay, you know, feeling, like, kind of like a bad girl, you know, and not really thinking it was all that big of a deal. I was like, okay, yeah, I can't get in trouble, you know. He promised me I can't get in trouble, and I believe him when he says that he'll have my back. And so we go down to St. Lucia. Originally, he told me we were going to Puerto Rico, and then when I got to the airport, we were going somewhere totally different, and I think that's because he didn't want me to tell people where we were actually going. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I told my whole family, I was like, yeah, I want a nice trip to Puerto Rico, and then we weren't going, definitely weren't going there at all, and I didn't know where we were staying or anything like that, but I had given him my pa- like a copy of my passport, 
to uh, book the tickets. He's like, all right, send me a pic of it. And I thought nothing of it. And so we go get down to St. Lucia. First couple of days are really fun. And, you know, everything's normal, you know. He doesn't really do drugs, but he got me drugs when I was down there because I was like, oh, I want drugs. Why not? Like, I was kind of a party girl, so, you know, it's just what I did. And then the third day comes around, and he's like, okay, now our friends are coming to pick us up, and it's not all fun and games now. You have to get in the car. You're coming with me. So we go, uh, so I'm just like, okay. I thought maybe again. I didn't, I was just going as company, whatever, and then we get to this house, and there's a bunch of people there, and then this woman immediately starts taking my measurements, and that's where she tells me that I'm going to be bringing back cocaine to uh, to Canada. And then I kind of just look at my my partner at this point, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, nothing bad will happen. I promise you. I promise you. Because I'm kind of scared at this point, and but then he's spent a lot of time getting me to trust him, so I I trust him. So um, he's, and then so basically, he brought you there to do it, and not him. Well, he was doing it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on in his that made him like so desperate to have to do this, but must have been something pretty bad. Um, and then so the the so that that's on a Wednesday, and then the rest of the week he doesn't want me really on my computer, and he doesn't want me out of his sight. So every time I go down to the pool, he follows me down to the pool. And every time I go to the bathroom, he like he's like, "Why do you take so long?" And just wondering why where I'm going every every second. But so I just basically get blackout wasted the rest of the trip. And like I know that I'm going to be bringing drugs back with me, so I just want this time to go by as soon as as fast as possible. And then at the um, on the last day, it's the morning, right? So, so on these all inclusive trips, you leave in the morning a lot of the time, and that happened. Our flight happened to leave in the morning, so. I didn't have any drinks that day, just completely sober. And um, we go to the airport, or sorry, on the way to the airport, we have to stop at this house and get loaded up with drugs. So it's like a little body pack kind of thing. And there's a dress that I'm wearing that's supposed to disguise these drugs. And we get to the airport, nothing, no problems getting on the flight. But on the flight, after the flight home, we get pulled into secondary and we're immediately questioned and then I actually admit to having drugs concealed on my body. So I was thrown in jail. My parents had to bail me out. It was $50,000, and they were just completely shocked. Like, they knew I was a good kid. Like, I had a, I've always had a good heart, and I was not some... Like, I did not orchestrate something like this, um, but definitely I gave in to the pressures. And Sounds like you got hoodwinked. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're lucky anyway. they didn't arrest you in the other country. They they let you go back to your country, and then you were arrested. Probably would have been worse yeah. than the other one, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So anyway, for so sure. they so um, they find the drugs, and now you're at the airport. Yeah. And uh, what happens next? Where where do they take you from there? They take me to a holding cell and then to the local provincial, uh, kind of like a state prison for you guys. And I thought I'd be getting out. You know, he told me this wasn't that big of a deal, right? So I'm sitting there, like, pretty casually at this point. Like, I'm mad because I've been arrested. But I'm not really that mad because it's not, like, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. I thought maybe, you know, I'll get a slap on the wrist. Or he said, like, he would take the drugs. He said he would, you know, take all the blame if something happened. 
you don't do that. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, that's, um, that's why I, he brought you. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, so here you are now. Yeah. Now you're going to go through some uh, some court stuff, and you get into yep. court, and um, all this stuff comes out, um, and you eventually get sentenced. So what what was your sentence? What was his sentence? Did he kind of get more or less than you did? Um, I honestly don't know what his sentence was because my lawyers worked really hard to just separate the two of us. Like I wasn't going to. I just wanted to plead guilty so that I wouldn't have to testify because that's just going down another path that I wouldn't want to go down. And I also knew that I was guilty and that my substance use had contributed significantly to me doing what I did. Um, and I just wanted it to go be done as fast as possible and stop putting my parents through so much hardship because time on bail is very, very stressful and a lot of tears and like fights and, you know, we made it through, but I just wanted it to be done. So I got four years and, Currently, his case is still before the court, so I'm guessing that he has decided to plead not guilty, but I have no uh, conversations with him, so I'm not, not too sure on that front. But. All right, so, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys and gals that we talk to on this program, you know, um, either before they go to prison or, you know, they know they're going or they get in there, there's like an eye-opening moment. You know, that, uh, hey, mm -hmm. you know, this is something I don't want to do anymore. I'm tired of this. I want to take a different uh, kind of route in my life. So what was that for you? Uh, the, that defining moment was when I was on bail, and I actually breached my conditions because, again, I was mad. I was angry. I didn't think I deserved the conditions that I had. And my parents had to bail me out again, and then that was the moment where I decided that I was better than that. And that I, that I was so blessed to have a really good family and access to resources that maybe a lot of people wouldn't have. So I needed to stop being really selfish and and live up to my full potential that I knew I had. Because I'd, I'd done so many things, good things as a kid and as a teenager. I'd had my substance abuse problems, but I'd always had a job and always volunteered and things like that. So I knew that I, I, was, I had a good heart and I knew my intentions were always good. Just my substances, my choice of substances was bad. So it was, I guess it was a moment when I got arrested the second time that I really decided to change. Okay. So you, so you go to prison when you're in there, did, did you take advantage of, uh, you know, the educational opportunities that you had in there? How, how was it like, was it in Canada, right? Yes. So yes. What, what do they have there, you know, available to you guys to take while you're in there? They have uh, the high school, they have some university classes. And they have um, computer class, like Microsoft Excel, and they have an entrepreneurship course. So I did entrepreneurship and um, Microsoft Excel, like the Microsoft Office suite. And then I kind of, I had a business before and I was always really into entrepreneurialism. So that's why I was kind of, I got my, my inspiration to start cons and kernels inside. And so I spent the most of my time building that actually. So tell us a little bit more how you got that idea. Of course. So when I got to prison, I saw so many people that were in there because they had made just a bad decision and they really wanted to prove themselves. You know, and these people, these, a lot of women are, are mothers, right? And they're without their kids and they just want to be given a chance to to rectify the, the damage that they'd done. But it was really challenging for them because they couldn't find their voice or if they'd come from places of abuse and, and things like that. But they were, they were so smart and everyone was really kind to me. 
So I wanted to build something that could potentially offer some sort of opportunity when they got out, just as like a step up or, you know, some hours here and there or some education. And on Super Bowl, I, <laughs> Super Bowl March 2000 and 2018, I noticed all the girls were making their own popcorn and using sort of some of the spices that we had from the commissary. And then I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, there's like popcorn companies, but there's not really popcorn companies that are maybe a little bit healthier um, and that can have some so- sort of social differentiator. Like I thought of all the ones that, like, up in Canada that we have here at least, and none of them really had a social impact that could make a difference. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a popcorn company, start it in prison and build it so that I can employ people that have done time or, you know, on parole or even just looking for a way to learn. Emily, does that help you? Does that help you using um, that as a marketing tool, the uh, XCON? Do people open up to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they love it. That's what I thought. It's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously, people... Sorry? Go ahead. Some of the staff, obviously, of of the correctional institution were not very happy at first, but now that they see that people actually find it funny... Then they like it now, so it's actually I, it got approved by the warden of the jail and stuff. So it's good. So you know, you know, talking about my buddy Dave, you know, when he got mm-hmm. out, um, I don't know if you've ever tried his bread or not. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have it here. So he actually put his story on the on the back of the loaf of the bread, and you know, people told him, "Well, that might not be a good idea." But it ended up being a great idea because, I mean, who who doesn't want to see someone who's, you know, been down that, the wrong road turn their lives around? And not only turn their lives around, but turn other people's lives around as well. And sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. It's mm-hmm. inspiring. It inspires people. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, so, I'm also building like a pep class, like a prison entrepreneurship class, like a so I can eventually go back in. Once I'm done parole, go back in and teach people what I did. So when did you get out, and how long um, are you going to be on parole? I got out on December 3rd, 2018. So I've been out for just about four months. Wow. And um, I'm on parole for another two and a half years. Okay, so... so um, look, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, uh, yep. we're going to talk a little bit about um, how you started all this uh, once you got outside, and uh, we'll see how see how it goes down the road, and we'll be right back. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future 
future of your business. Every time I hear myself um, doing that ad, I'm just totally impressed with how deep Allon can actually make my regularly very high voice. Wolfman so, Jack. I fix it in the mix, as they say. Yes, he does. I've been practicing that. So anyway, let's uh, let's get back to Emily. A very intriguing story. Um, so you get out. You've only been out for four months. That's amazing. Only four and, months. And I see uh, we pulled up uh, your website and everything. Looking in, it looks like you've already started producing the popcorn. Yeah. And uh, yeah. one thing that I'm wondering is that you're a guest on our show, and I was thinking that maybe I would come in this morning to uh, basketfuls of popcorn, but I didn't see it. I know, I was thinking. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Yeah, I wish I could ship it over the border soon. <laughs> soon they'll be in U.S. So I, not me personally, because, you know, I can't go there yet, or, like, probably for a long time, but... So you know, you know, Emily. These are the stories that we like to hear, and the reason why um, these are so significant is because people have took everyday things. You know, um, a lot of guys um, and, and guy and women in prison, they have these grandiose ideas about creating this really huge business. And when they get out, and you know, most of the time, of course, it fails because they they don't have the capital or whatever. But you took something very simple. Uh, you've seen a niche in the market where, you know, this, this product could go out, and uh, you started making it. So tell me a little bit about when you got out, you had this idea already. Um, tell me how you got a place to make it, the capital, and, and the other stuff that you, uh, that you did in order to get this going. Sure. Um, so by the time I was out, I had a couple of recipe ideas because the recipes were inspired by what I saw on the inside. And I actually asked um, the guy who was in charge of the food in the prison where he got the spices from, and he told me where. And so when I got out, I kind of just bought some spices and some kernels. And my friend uh, bought me a pot. And I had a couple of friends who like, took me shopping, and they just wanted to give me like some startup cash. So... Gave me like 500 bucks and I just bought a crap load of kernels and um, <laughs> started popping. So luckily popcorn is relatively inexpensive. And I started it at my mom's house. <laughs> so I took over her kitchen, like popcorn everywhere. <laughs> and then I, now I moved to something called the commercial kitchen. So I rent space there by the hour. And Who did your label? Yeah, that's pretty good. Who did your label? I like yeah, your label. Yeah, pardon me? I like your um, label. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my business partner got that designed when I was still in, inside. So we kind of talked about it over the phone, like what we thought it could look like. And then, so I didn't actually see it until I got out. So it was pretty cool to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot better than your yours, Mark. <laughs> he just... <laughs> a skull. He just got a skull for his... Well, let's see what the label that is. It looks like you guys copied my label. Oh, I, no. I, I need one of those shirts too, by the way. He's talking about our Killer Granddaddies t-shirts. It's my favorite band, actually. Oh, okay. That's our band. So if you go online and you want to look, you can pull up the Killer Granddaddies and see all of us jamming out. Okay, so so now you got a place. Um, yeah. T- tell us a little bit about how you know, because Dave decided to make. I don't know, referencing Dave all the time, but you know, he decided to make a really super healthy bread. And it just, he took it to yeah. another level. So, yeah. is that important to you that you're making a healthy product with good, you know, 
with healthy ingredients and all that? And, and how have you came up with different ideas for, you know, the different um, types of, of popcorn you're making? Yeah, we definitely wanted to make ours more healthier because there are a lot of popcorn brands that have a lot of refined sugars and things like that. And I know that not only inside prison was kind of eating healthier important to people because there's less room to exercise and things like that, but also, you know, just in general, people want to eat less refined sugar, right? So um, that's why you decided to use coconut oil to pop the popcorn in and then sourcing the spices from different stores that have that only have chemicals in it and of course like most of our recipes are healthier but then we also have another category which is called dangerous offenders and that's for people who really just don't care and that's for people who who just want something sweet and heavier and but yeah we kind of have two lines um but yeah the the healthier ones are what most people go for right now dangerous offenders (laughs) wow that's that's pretty good so you know, the names and stuff that you got, you know, for the different products, um, where did they come from? How did you think those up? Was that something you thought of when you was in there? You had a lot of time to think about stuff and came up with different ideas? Yeah, the names were kind of just inspired from day-to-day life. And I was, when I was a kid, I did a lot of reading, and I've listened to, like, a lot of music. <coughs> so I'm pretty good with, with words and matching words with scenarios and things like that. So that's kind of how I came up with some of the, the flavors and the actual company name. Cons and Kernels, I did um, a vote of, of, to the inmates. So, like, I, you know, brainstormed some ideas with a couple others, and then we sent out the, the papers to all the, all the inmates. So it was kind of a collective decision to use Cons and Kernels. <laughs> so what are what are some of the names of, of the different styles? So we have the Dillis, which is lemon pepper dill, Sticky Fingers, which is honey sriracha, mm. beef shell, and the Butta Baby, which is movie theater style. And Beaver Smell is like um, cinnamon and stevia. We actually had a garden inside prison, and we grew stevia in it, so that's kind of where we got that inspiration from. Um, we have PB&J, so it's like uh, peanut butter and jam, <laughs> so the classic hit in prison. And also Jail has Cheese, where I buy the, uh, <laughs> the powdered cheese from Kraft Dinner, which is on its own, and then I toss it with the popcorn. Wow. Sounds pretty good. Like I say, I, I was hoping to come in this morning to a handful of popcorn. Maybe we'll have to order some. You guys sent it to the United States yet? Um, we are working on sending it to the U.S., but obviously I have to launch it in Canada first. And But, oh, U.S., for sure. For sure, for sure. Definitely going to happen. So <laughs> how many people are working there with you right now? Is it just you or you got some, some other people working with you? Yeah, so right now I have a business partner, and then I have some other inmates who have contributed, not as directly, but more indirectly through writing their stories and sharing their stories so I can put it on social media, and then they share it with their friends. So my parole officer told me that I can't actually hire an inmate that's on parole right now because I'm on parole. So it's kind of like a little bit of a roadblock, but I've been working with other people who... Oh, and also people have been developing recipes for me. Um, people that have done time. So it's it's not like one or two set people. It's like different people at different times who want to come in and who want to learn so, just, and, and make some, some cash. I'm curious, how do you stick the flavors to the popcorn? Because I, I can imagine... Coconut oil. Coconut oil, because I imagine it would like fall to the bottom and... so. Coconut oil spray. 
Okay. Yeah. So you buy it. Yeah, spray in a can and then it sticks on. Wow, Mark. Don't don't Mark, you? I have a great like idea for a recipe. <laughs> yeah. Sesame Look, seeds and um, some seeds. Like I don't know. You thinking healthy? Mm-hmm. I get half. So you know this again. This is uh, something really important that uh, you know the the currently incarcerated uh, men and women listening to the program and people who've gotten out. Um, this is a simple everyday product. You know, I mean, you don't have to have these really big ideas about starting something when you get out. You just have to have a plan. And, um, you know, you started with $500 in your mom's kitchen, you know, and who knows where this Mm -hmm. is going to go and how many uh, people that you're eventually going to employ um, that have been in prison, just like Dave's. You Mm -hmm. know, when when Dave was, um, before he sold the business, it was... There was almost 300 people working there, and about a third of the people that were working there were, were ex-felons. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the reason why he did that was because um, he just figured, hey, if I can do it, you know, somebody else can do it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like he went out and said, I'm just going to hire a bunch of ex-felons, you know, to work for me. Um, he just went out mm-hmm. and hired the right person, the person that was motivated and ready to work. So... Um, that's where you're at. You know, you're you're starting this business. Who knows where this is going to go? What 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 would you like to see uh, come out of your business? Um, I would like to see a direct program, like a work release program, directed for people that are still in prison. I want to work with the prison so that they can leave for the day, like, and go back to the prison after coming to put some time into, like, they can come work with me still as still incarcerated. So how crazy did your mother think you were? When you got out of prison after doing what four years? Uh, I did ten months. Oh, ten months. So you get out of prison ten after months, ten yeah. months, and you're talking about making popcorn. What did she think about yeah. all that? My mom has been my best friend, and she believes in me no matter what. Um, so she know she knew that officially now because I was sober, I was so much more focused than when I wasn't. Like I've always had drive, but obviously alcohol got in the way of that drive. Um, but she was confident in me now because um, because of all the outreach that I've done. You know, I've done a lot of events and just engagements, and I'm so passionate about it. I think she sees something in me that I like, this spark that I never had before. And you know, I'm working on this every day. You know, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, do you find it's, yourself? You know, um, sorry, I didn't mean. Huh? I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just wondering, do you find yourself up um, against uh, people that are, don't believe in you or haters or? Um, people that think you're crazy for wanting to do the popcorn and and bring the ex felons into it and help people out. Um, I haven't actually received very much. Like to my okay, I haven't received anything. And I guess that's because like before I was pretty active in in my social life and people knew me as a person. So I was kind of setting an example of like how this could honestly happen to anyone. And I came out of prison with the the desire not to sell popcorn, but with the desire to help other people, right? And I think including people 
um, that have been to prison, you know, in your business, whether it's Hop Warner or any other business, I think is, is an important thing to do, right? Because um, there's a lot of really, really smart people in there. And when you just reject people for something they did five years ago, 10 years ago, it's like, it's going to be really hard on them. And sometimes people just go back to what they know, right? So, like, they're still serving that sentence forever, it seems, like, when they have to, when they get denied because they have a record. So, yeah, we see a lot of that. Too much on top talent, for sure. There's a you know, it's hard. It's hard for uh, you know here in the states for ex felons to you know sometimes get a job, yeah. housing. housing, you know, um, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, if you can overcome it, there's ways to do it. You know, I mean, me and Mark and Dave and uh, unfortunately, you just can never um, give up. Unfortunately, all on has never been to prison, so he he sits here every day and listens to us and doesn't really know the what we've been through, right, all on. I got some pretty big empathy though. <laughs> right on. <laughs> he just looks at us like, mm-hmm. all right, these guys. I think the uh, I really I really like the labeling. I think the branding and marketing she's got going on there is pretty good because that brings you to the product. Makes you makes you mm-hmm. wonder what that's about, and then it's like, yeah, I want to buy something like that because it's cool. Mm-hmm. So good job on that. So, how many different uh, flavors do you have right now? I have nine. 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 Yeah. So I have four that I have on retail shelves, and then the other five, or the other sorry, the other six are kind of special orders because they don't necessarily last on the shelf, like the peanut butter and jam, the peanut butter and honey, and Nutella. Like they'll, they can't sit, right? They're kind of like a donut. You got to eat them like the same day. So I do those just like to be, be consumed at, at an event or like direct purchase. So uh, tell me a little bit about how um, you were able to get your product. Uh, you have it in stores at all? I have a storefront in oh, the front. Like I see. it's not my storefront, but it's a cafe that's in the front of the kitchen that I work at. So you're able and to And I did there. a lot of press. Pardon? So, so, um, what kind of storefront is it? It's a cafe. Oh, a cafe. And then, so they have other products, yeah. So you work a job at the cafe at the same time you're um, promoting your brand new product? Um, I do, like, I don't work at the cafe, but I, I pop the popcorn in the back. It's kind of okay. like a double function uh, property. Okay. I'm, so, I'm assuming. Yeah, so, like, they let me sell it at the front. Well, you know, there's nothing. Yeah, I've done a, there's nothing better Sorry. than there's nothing better than the smell of popcorn. So you know, people oh, yeah. come in there to this cafe, and all of a sudden they're smelling popcorn. Of course, they're going to be interested in what's going on with your product. So, mm-hmm. and how how have you um, been able to use the media in order to promote uh, your product? Yeah. So I wrote a couple of letters when I was inside prison to like people that I respected and like I read their books and stuff and I got responses from them. So I've done some interviews and stuff. And then I also did like a cover story for the Hamilton Spectator, which is our city newspaper. So it's got like over a million readers. And then that article actually did so well that it got picked up by other cities. So it's been a lot of inbound contact um, through like my, and on my social media as well, I have like a pretty, significant following and so I have little episodes about you know prison life and 
Uh, I talked to people who, you know, visited the prison and things like that. So everyone's really, really interested. Social um, media is a big part, huh? Huh? The social media part, does that play a big part in your uh, advertising? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I just say it like it is. You know, I don't, like, really hold anything back, and I don't blame anyone else. So I'm just very candid about the whole thing. Like, I was able to find joy and even in prison. And so it's really a story about strength and resilience, but also finding time to forgive yourself for causing harm because that's a barrier to a lot of people. You know, they're always told, they're always reminded, especially by the correctional system, that they did this wrong thing, right? So forgiving yourself, I think, is so important, even if it doesn't happen right away. But I try to, that's like one thing I try to teach other people is that you can't be so hard on yourself forever. You know, there has to be a time when you have to let it go. You know, starting this business after after you got out of prison, you know, and being an ex-felon, and, um, have you been able to uh, connect with um, other ex-felons who have started businesses to give you some advice? Yes. Yeah, there's one actually in Hamilton that I work with. Um, but she, she doesn't, like, use her background as a marketing tool. She keeps hers private. But she like, I've done time. I want to help you. One of mine was part of my business, but hers, hers wasn't. And, like, some of the challenges I, like, experienced myself, you know, just even trying to get insurance and trying to open a business account and just little things where it's like, oh, well, you have a record. It's like, yeah, so I wasn't, you have anything to do with money, right? So, but then sometimes you have to, have like, like, luckily my business partner can sign for a lot of things, but just a hassle getting some stuff, so. So your business partner is not an ex-felon? No. No. Yeah, so that kind of carries you through a little bit. You know, you don't have to mm-hmm. kind of put yourself out there in certain situations. You just rely on them. That's a good thing. So you know what mm-hmm. we're going to do, Emily, is uh, we're going to go ahead and take another break, and then we're going to come okay. back and talk to you just a little bit more and try to get a little bit more okay. information on you. You've been a great guest so far, so hold on, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startupradio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and you get a $150 credit. All on have you uh, been able to go down to Startup Ruby and use that $150 that we we promised you? No, I tried, and they wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let you in. No, I'm supposed to call, though, right? I did, I yeah. did it wrong. Yeah, call them. Call All them right. first. Start you got up. it. Wow. Anyway, it's nice to hear Dave's voice on there. Hope you, uh, Big D's doing okay today. Um, mm-hmm. we got a lot of cool stuff happening with, uh, with Big D. He's just, a, a promoter of Beyond Words. And so, on that note, tell us a little bit about how you promote, how you really, I mean, you know, I know the social media end of it works that good, but, you know, some people go door to door and say, hey, would you, look, would you like to buy some popcorn? So, how, how do you get out there like that? Yeah, I reach out to organizers of different events. Like, everywhere I go, I kind of talk to them about my story and 
I offer like to do speaking engagements. And, you know, I offer to do these for free right now because that's like what I wanted to do. And I get into high schools like that. And then also, again, with the inbound stuff, um, people contact me a lot. So I just, I'll go, I'll leave the city, you know, I'll, I'll do radio shows. Um, I'll, I, I work at the gym too on the weekend. So a lot of people, they know my story there as well. So I do, when people aren't working out, I, I talk to them because they're like really interested. They always come and talk to me at the desk. <laughs> And stuff, and then through my family. My family also has their networks, and they are really proud of me. So they tell, they always tell their friends what I'm doing and what I'm up to, and they share my stuff. So it's been, been good. I have like a lot of people behind me for this. And it's good to finally feel like I have focus and direction, and like I'm nothing's going to get in my way now. Like nothing. So four months out, starting a new business. Mm-hmm. Are you actually making a profit at this point? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was profitable, like, within the first month. Wow. For sure. And yeah. Now- like, I had to buy some equipment, but, um, again, with, like, the cost of it's sold as popcorn, it's relatively low. And because I'm, I already have a big reach on social media, I haven't had to do a lot of advertising that, you know, is, that is paid, like, that I pay for. And then basically, it's just my time now that's my cost, um. Oh no, it's great. So the next step up is going to be on like retail, retail stores. So I'm meeting with a couple of distributors and things like that. But you don't want to grow too fast because then it can get out of control and you can lose focus. You can lose like the focus on like what you are there to do. You know what I mean? Instead of focusing on like your purpose and your core values, people that try to scale too fast sometimes lose that. And I'm not going to lose that. So that's why, you know, so many people want to get involved and I'm like, okay, that's, awesome but then i have to make sure it's like it aligns with what we're set out to do right very smart yeah it's uh mm-hmm. it's one of the things that happened to dave's killer bread is uh, at one point it grew too fast and uh mm-hmm. the demand for the bread was overwhelming and uh so they had to kind of do some things in order to make uh some changes but so now you got the business it's running you're happy um things mm-hmm. are happening for you um, mm-hmm. and you're going to make sure that you, uh, don't run off with some guy to another country anymore, right? Right. Right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Never again. Sometimes I wish Mark would run off to another country, but I don't <laughs> think myself, I would be right? that lucky. What do you think, Mark? Be careful what you um, wish for. <laughs> I wish. I, I want to go to another country someday. He does. And then we'll, well. Whatever. I just actually want to go to Hawaii. Yeah, I'd like to go to Hawaii. I always want to go there. I've never been there. You've been there all on? Quite a few times. Oh, for well, Pete's three times. Sakes. Three times, I guess. See, I'm going to go to Vegas because they have like these $54 round trip tickets. <laughs> to Vegas. That's not Hawaii, dude. Well, I have some, a friend that has a really nice house there and a pool, and I just like go there and I kind of go gamble. I'm just going to go there and maybe do some tattoos or something. Famous last words. Yes. I will not gamble. I haven't gambled. Mark just lost the bus. <laughs> <laughs> he bet the bus. <laughs> uh, it was for sure. All right, so we talked a little bit of how we, you know, you got into it, uh, prison thing. Um, <laughs> how much longer do you have on parole? About two and a half years. So two and a half years. So when you're done there, uh, you said you'd like to be, uh, you know, like to go back in and kind of, 
kind of help other people do this. What what kind of plans do you have? Do you going to take in an entrepreneurial class, or are you just going to take in yourself and tell your story? What do you What do you think you're going to do? Um, first, I'm going to document every single thing that I did, like an official way that document an official like list of everything that I did there and the timeline that I had. A lot of it's like mindset, right? But there's courses that they have in prison, but it's hard for people to relate because those people haven't experienced it. So that's where I can come in and give people hope because I'm like a direct product, not product, but like I was there, right? Like I walked in those shoes and I, I know what it's like to feel hopeless and like feel like you're going nowhere in life. And Your time scale is like moving very nothing, fast. Right? So, huh? It's a very fast time scale. Four months. Yeah. You already have a profitable business. Yeah. And just like working over like while I'm on school, I want to also work with local businesses to find reintegration opportunities for inmates. Because what the institution has right now is like not enough. There's, there's maybe two work, two or three work releases and they got two, hundreds of inmates, right? So there's just, there's, there needs to be more streamlined for people to actually make the most of time in prison. Because I think that's what people should go there for to really grow and not just sit, stay stagnant. So um, just fostering those relationships with local businesses and yeah, going in and teaching basically just what I did and teaching them more about attitude and mindset and the resources that they do have. Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, that Dave uh, and I have uh Really, it's really cool that I've been involved with some of the stuff that he does, you know. But he, he likes to start a little earlier um, with uh, the juveniles. So he'll go into those places, okay. you know. And if you can catch those kids when they're young and give them some inspiration, uh, you know, they don't end up either going back or they can change. And we've had a couple guys on, on our show, um, Guy and Noah, and uh, mm -hmm. they're just examples of, you know, turn their lives around in prison, getting out, and then just being, you know, just going everywhere and telling their story, like like you would, mm -hmm. about how you're able to change and, and turn around and start something successful. And these guys, you know, they talk to youth groups all over the country, and they were in mm -hmm. prison, you know. Um, Noah was in prison for like seven years, you know, and now they're doing, uh, you know, national speaking tours and everything, and it's, to me, it's totally inspirational that, um, one person can make such a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure. And, like, I know in Canada, I think our system is a little bit quicker. Like, we get less time here. So, like, they're we're in prison for less time. So that's why it's, like, you know, I, I had four years and I was 10 months. A lot of people get two to three more sentences in federal. Like, the people that get more than that are usually there for life. So there's like, a high number of people that are there. In the four to six year range, or four to for the four to six years, and then like they're out after like ten to twelve months. So it's well, like, like a fast track. Well, Emily, you know, I'd I'd really like to thank you for coming on our show today. We're getting close to the end, so why don't you just take a few minutes and do some self promoting? Uh, tell all of our listeners where they can go to find your product, and uh, give your pitch. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening today. Yeah, Emily from Canada. So I just wanted to, again, yeah, thank you. And you can follow me on social media, read all about my story, read all about the popcorn. Even if you want to get involved, um, yeah, send me a message. So my social media handle is cons and kernels. That's Instagram and Twitter. And then my personal Instagram is Terry Tuesday. 
T-E-R-R-I-T-U-E-S-D-A-Y. And thank you so, so much. And looking forward to filing some popcorn into your hands ASAP. So, yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, as always, you know, we're really proud of people who have done and accomplished this type of things that you and Dave and, you know, me and Mark, and we're out there trying to do, uh, you know, the, the next right thing. So uh, mm-hmm. have a good day. Thanks again. And uh, if you're ever in the States, when you get out parole, come see us. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.